listen, I'm proud of our team for the job they did. This is a very well-coached football team um, with the 49ers, and um, they've got really good football players. So, and they're, you know, they got their guys back and and um, were very emotional, had a nice big trade that they added to it. So uh, their future uh, is, is bright as can be. And um, uh, But on the other hand, I like the way our guys approached the game. They came out, didn't get caught up in all of that, and um, didn't get caught up in being down by 10 points. They just kept playing. Uh, had some young guys step up and make some plays. I mean, I could go through and name all the guys that had a good game, but I'd end up naming probably everybody. They all somewhere along the line contributed, and coaches included. There was great game plans for both sides of special teams. But the resilience of our special teams, first half was a bit shaky, and then second half, the guys stepped up. That return to start the second half was a thing of beauty, so that really helped us get going there. Um, anyways, with, with that, time's yours think about how you would feel if the Chiefs' last two games would have just been flipped. Really think about it, and I'm guessing you're going to come to a conclusion that you're very glad that they're not. Because as we sit here preparing for no pressers all week from the Chiefs, no Chiefs football next weekend, we'll just watch the Red Zone, watch the AFC West blunder around, and then eventually the Chiefs will come back with a primetime game against the Titans, fresh off of an absolute drubbing of the 49ers. Life seems pretty good. Imagine now the Chiefs beating a couple of eh, teams before losing to the Bills and then taking that into a 14-day stretch before the next game came around. And suddenly, I feel like we have a, a thank you to give to the schedule makers because all is well in Chiefs Kingdom and all is well here on Time's Ours. Joshua Briscoe and Seth Kaiser with you. Nate Taylor currently traveling back from San Francisco. If you want to read his first takeaways of the game, he had a great story up on theathletic.com about McCole Hardman and his big day. Uh, but Seth, this means this means there's no babysitter. This means there's no adult in the room. And like when <laughs> Nate's the adult, that's already the 12-year-old babysitting the 8-year-old. But hey, right now, man, it's just the kids. At least the 12-year-old knows what to do in the event of a fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like... You know, I mean, like with the eight year old, you just don't know. It's like, oh, I remember my dad's got this red can with some liquid in it in the garage. I bet that'll help, you know, like, which this is a pretty dark analogy here, by the way. Yeah, but but, uh, but this is what happens when you don't have a grown up in the room. Someone who who says, guys, we need to just get out of the house and call 911 and is not like, you know, you know, an eight year old. Although yeah. I, I, all my children know how to fight fires um, because we actually have, this is what happens when you have a bunch of kids. Um, we have like the little fire extinguishers, like the point and spray ones that look like a, hand, a can of wasp killer. I should really make sure it's not wasp killer. <laughs> yeah. Do double check on that. Cause I think wasp killer is probably pretty flammable, but I didn't know this was in a, a thing that existed. I'm kind of oh, yeah. go on. Yeah. You buy them in like six packs and they're like the size of a normal aerosol can and the idea is they're a lot more easily controlled and they still have a, a, a good amount of the stuff that really, you know, hates fire and can put it out. And yeah. it's good for like oil and grease and electric fires. And and then you can have them stop in multiple rooms. And they work really well because my son, whom I love, was roasting coffee and tried to burn the garage down. And he couldn't because of that. If I knew the name of the brand, I would plug it right now. Roasting coffee? Yeah, yeah. Tucker, Tucker had a coffee roasting phase 
Um, I'm not sure if it was a phase. He did it all this this summer. And he actually got really good at it. People really I, yeah. liked the coffee. I didn't it's realize just, he was 24. This is awesome. He and I have a lot in common. <laughs> well, he is like 6'3". He looks like he's like 22. Sure. And so I, I just, uh, yeah, so he... he he, he roasts coffee, but he does it like a teenager in that, you know, he tries to burn the garage down. <laughs> sure. He gets one of those flamethrowers and a bunch of coffee beans and makes it delicious. <laughs> he, you know, he calls it like the intense roast or whatever. And frankly, I think maybe he and I should go into business together and we turn this into a uh, a real uh, turning point for us. And you guys just might have to, maybe we, maybe with all the money we'll make, you guys can buy a new garage for him to exclusively Ooh. make coffee in. Yeah, almost entirely coffee. Okay. <laughs> all right. Coffee with are. a little bit of crack in there and uh, <laughs> you'll keep them coming back. Unfortunately for your garage, now we're cooking with gas. This is exciting. <laughs> bringing this thing down. Um, we've got a lot of places we could, uh, we could go and I'm sure many times there will be our, um, our home alone style tangents of just, uh, beating away the wet bandits or any serious football analysis. But you know what, Seth, I, I am legitimately just sort of excited to hear you talk a little bit about how this game made you feel because we have had just a weird energy around this team this year, which I think is explainable and I will attempt to explain it, but a blowout win against the Cardinals was a lot of fun. And then we all kind of started asking if the Cardinals were any good. Narrowly beating the Chargers was great. And then we kind of start wondering if the Chargers are really a threat or not in this division. Got to have that win. That, that, that dub still counts. But, you know, the, the shine comes off a little bit. Mm-hmm. They lose to the Colts. It's like, okay. That was just unbelievable. And it's not getting better. Uh, shout out to Sam Ellinger, the new starting quarterback of your Indianapolis Colts, by the way. <laughs> Matt Ryan has been binjured. Uh, that is part benched, part injured. That's a Mick Schaefer's word from the show today. Uh, th- th- that is what has been ultimately handed down to Matt Ryan. Then Man, you have... Mellinger, I mean, I would have thought that gig with the Royals would have lasted longer, but... I texted him. I texted him the word congrats today. And he said something along... The, I hope I'm not betraying a confidence here. He said something along the lines of, thank you, this is the worst day of my life. <laughs> because... Because so, so I'm not the only person to think of that joke. <laughs> that's exactly almost that's almost exactly what my response was to him. <laughs> it was almost exact. Boy, I really thought this would just be me coming up with this. Um, yes, former Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger. No relation to former Kansas City star uh, columnist Sam Mellinger. But if you want to tweet him about it, I'm sure he'd love to see it. <laughs> he's he's got. I, I just checked Sam's Twitter page uh-huh. and he's he quote tweets the Colts thing. He goes, happy for him, but me right now. And it's the Jon Snow gif of about the fight, <laughs> yep. everyone. Yep. Yep. All right. So, you know, Sam's Sam's already gotten that one today many times, including from me, who did absolutely nothing to help. In fact, I actively decided to do it to just bury him more under that exact same joke. Uh, but <laughs> so... They, uh, they, the Chiefs beat the Colts. That was, or lose of the Colts. Sorry, I would have, I thought they were going to beat the Colts. That's where we started from. But they beat the Buccaneers. And Tom Brady currently looks more washed than my freshest load of laundry. It's hard to, it's hard to watch, honestly. Mm. Then they beat the Raiders in a game that, you know, I, the final score was one point. That wasn't totally indicative of what that game was, right? But, you yeah. know. No, that thing up, was over at the beginning of the fourth. It was that's, over. That's how it felt. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. But like, you know. It's a football it was, game. It, let, let's be clear. That was over the moment they took away that that play from Chris Jones. Right. Sure. That was that was it. You saw the light switch 
and the teams looked different afterwards. That's right. still one of the funniest things I've ever seen, just in terms on a football field. But anyway, you were saying, so they beat the Raiders in a, in a weird game. Weird game for sure. Only weird games. Then they lose at the Bills, obviously. Then that just felt like two good teams playing their like B-level football. And then they crushed the Niners yesterday. Yeah. I, I want you to talk about this Niners game in a vacuum at first, if you would, because as I just went game by game doing some truly electric radio, my point is, I think the wins have had some of the um, peaks taken away. And at the very least, the Bills game was not a real valley. They just lost. The Colts game, totally inexplicable, but kind of obviously explainable because you saw the mistakes happen. They were just inexplicable mistakes. And beating yeah. the Niners, Seth, was just a great offense doing some terrible things to an, to an excellent defense. And a competent offense that they have with a lot of great weapons was not able to do much consistently at all. That, to me, maybe, if nothing else, is is worth riding the good vibe wave for two weeks into the uh, the Titans game, you know, yeah. starting November. So, man, it's amazing how you can uh, go from one thing to another. I'm looking at an article I wrote on uh, the Chief of the North substack. Um that everyone should subscribe to. That's mnchusfan.substack.com, by the way. Bit.ly slash Seth really hates money. Thanks, man. On September 28th was entitled, What Went Wrong? Looking at all 31 of the Chiefs' failed offensive plays. <laughs> I don't know if the Chiefs had 3.1 failed offensive plays on Sunday. Like, they... So, let's look at it in a vacuum. In a vacuum. Um, the Chiefs... Mahomes threw a pick trying to target Sky Moore, which the team is really trying to turn people against Sky Moore. Yeah, and I we will not gonna, stand are, for it. We will talk about it. Patrick, stop throwing really bad picks towards Sky Moore because that one and the one in the Bills game, those should not have been thrown. Like, I was like, ah, no, like the safety's right there. Anyway, um, besides that, then the possessions went TD, TD, missed field goal. That it was like a 31-yarder, 39-yarder. 39, I think. Come on, Butker. Like, you made a 62-yarder last week. Kickers are still kickers, even good ones. Yeah, Justin Tucker is different. Justin yes. Tucker is a Justin Tucker. Everyone else is and, still a kicker. And, and then TD, 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 TD. Like, just... And, like, not like... They, they had a couple drives where, like, they had to convert, like, a third and long. But they also had some drives that were just buzzsaws. Was like, I mean, it was like it was as though they were practicing against air. It might have had the same amount of effect stopping them, <laughs> and it was it was fun to watch. It was a it was a really really good thing, um, but in a vacuum, I, I think you know if you were to just watch that game, you would say, "Wow, this is the best defense or the best offense in the NFL by far." Um, and, and for me, the big thing that came together was, and it was great to see this right before the bye. It was that it's a culmination of what you think the plan was. Mm. And we talked about this a little yes. bit with, uh, after the Buccaneers game, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think you see it even more in this game. Like, like just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Like we were talking about, hey, you know, MVS, uh, you know, he did, he he had one big play against the Bucks, and Juju had a couple of, uh, a couple of decent plays as well. And you saw that carried to a higher extreme against the Niners where, okay, what about two big plays? Which by the way, it demonstrates what a, um, 
variable thing it is when you're a deep threat. Three catches for 111 yards. Yeah. That's, and if you take away one of them, you know, like a 57 yarder, now suddenly you're on two catches for like 60-ish yards. And you know what I mean? It just changes yeah. everything. And that's the life of a deep threat. And that to me, it's like MVS. We talked about this last week. He is not a number one wide receiver. He's a good deep threat. And you know who is your number one wide receiver? Juju Smith-Schuster. The answer has been, you know, Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. The answer <laughs> has been right in front of us. You know what I mean? It's yes. the dude laying in the middle of the room in Saw. Like, all of those things. I don't know why I'm going. I'm getting darker and darker. Yeah, it has sort of, yeah, it was death and then Saw. And then I don't know what gets beyond that, but I'm ready to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know Nate already made us explicit content last week. I can't uh -huh. turn us to a full-fledged NC-17 rating this week. It's spooky season. Happy Halloween, everybody. You know, it's like, it's like the scene in Saw. My favorite scene from Saw, in fact. Yeah, where they had this pit full of needles. And uh -huh. oh, man, that's actually when I quit on that franchise, by the way. I uh, I was I would say I can't believe you started it, but I totally can because ugh. you contain mysteries. But that is not for me. No, yeah, it's just not. It's like, man, this is just, oh man, just no. Anyway, so <laughs> I don't remember how we got here. This is what happens when Nate's not around. So Juju Smith-Schuster is the best wide receiver on the Chiefs. That's that that's like a full stop. Mm -hmm. Now maybe his health fluctuates a little for him. I don't know. But the version of him we saw against the Niners and the Bills, that is the best wide receiver on the Chiefs. Is he an elite number one wide receiver like a, you know, like a Jefferson? No. Is he a solid number one wide receiver? That version of him? I think so. And so it's it was nice to see the plan played out in real time. I think that's how I would describe that game. The plan playing out in real time. The offensive line, and this is something that I didn't even really get into, but I tried to touch on it a few times because that's who I wrote about was MVS and Juju Smith-Schuster and how what they did in their skill sets specifically filled in those gaps to make the Chiefs, and I, this is the word we talked about then too, multiple, to make it to where it's every blade of grass, it's every type of throw, it's every style of defense, There's there's something to pick at. But a lot of it depends on the offensive line playing well. And had you told me after that disaster of the Bills game, where I, I wrote about, I mean, they, they gave up 21 flushes where Mahomes got hit, pressured, or sacked before the play could develop against the Bills. That's the most I can ever remember outside of the Super Bowl disaster against Tampa. And then they Let's go from that to... Mahomes is standing there for four solid seconds and it's just like, I might as well throw it to Justin Watson in the back of the end zone because, you know, I'm bored. <laughs> I think that was the tweet that prompted me to tweet something or that was the, the play that prompted me to tweet something along the lines of like, you know, as much as I truly love watching Patrick Mahomes just sprinting various directions and then throw the ball between his legs off a wall and into the hands of a player you didn't know the name of until an hour ago. Like, I love those <laughs> plays, obviously. Yeah. But there's something kind of uh, hypnotizing and kind of incredible about Patrick Mahomes being able to stand there and put his feet down on two little patches of grass and then just kind of wait a little bit, look around, wait a little longer, keep his feet right about right, right there, and then just teleport the ball to somebody in the end zone. That That is still a, a wild thing. And uh, I'm surprised that, as you said, that that 
even made an appearance in this game with the the pass rush the Niners have. We can come back to the receivers and work through your your article a little more um, up in the newsletter because I, I really do think that's fascinating. But I, we have given a lot of grief, and I don't even mean this show. I just mean like Chiefs Twitter perhaps has given a lot of grief to the offensive line. Some yep. of it deserved, some of it I, not as much through my eyes at least. But what did the Chiefs do? to make this offensive line better schematically against Nick Bosa in that pass rush. And then what did you see in the performance from those guys? Also, we're in a weird spot, you know, where the all 22 is not all out yet. And I know that you're working with one hand behind your back, but at least you've got one, you know, I'm, I'm just back here typing away. Uh, I, uh, I, I have had a chance to take a look at it a little bit and they came in with a very um, Nick Bosa specific game plan. Um, and and some of that involved chips, you know, the stuff that you'd expect. But you know, you know what their game plan didn't involve, honestly, was a bunch of, well, our version of helping our tackles is going to be have the running back chip on his way out. And the times they did that, like that's not the only thing they were doing. The times they did do that, you know what happened? They were like on the same page. It was incredible. Like the offensive tackle didn't like set out, set up outside. Yeah. And then just, you know, have the running back push the pass rusher into Mahomes. Turns out that's a bad thing when that happens. Um, they did a bunch of misdirection stuff. Uh, Mitch Schwartz tweeted about it. Um, yep, it, I have this tweet up if you want me to quote it when you're done. Oh, sure. They they did a bunch of things. Um, they they ran right at him, but not right at him, right? Mm-hmm. They, they would leave him unblocked, but there was a jet sweep coming around the edge. They would show a chip from a tight end, but then actually run you know, a, a quick little pitch to that side. They would show a chip from Jarek McKinnon and utilizing the exact same action they'd used previously when he chipped him. Except this time, oh man, he's coming out on a screen. They were rolling protections. They were rolling the pocket one way or the other. They were just constantly moving things to where he could never really just line up and go. They ran the ball a little bit and that's that's People treat that as like it's this dispositive answer. It's not, but it is one answer, right? All of these together are one answer. Running the ball right by a guy, like on Clyde Edwards-Alaire's touchdown, right? Mm -hmm. Bosa was not a non-factor in the play, and Wiley just had to shove him a little harder just because he was already going upfield. And what ends up happening then is you don't know what's coming, and the thing that helps you, a great burst off the line, has betrayed you multiple times. And that makes you hesitate. Here's what Mitchell Schwartz said. This is my contribution is reading a tweet from Mitch Schwartz uh, on Nick Bosa. He was a wrecking ball all game, or excuse me, he's wrecking ball early in the game, but you get chipped, doubled, cut, jet sweeps, go by you for touchdowns, run away from, run at, put tight ends and wide receivers next to you to make you uncomfortable. It takes a toll mentally. Indecision kicks in, play speed slows down, masterclass by Coach Reed. Um, that is a significant chunk of what you also were just laying out. And so I just, to to double down on that, I was listening to this wonderful little podcast called The Athletic Football Show. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. Robert Mays, Nate Tice on the uh, the, the Monday episodes I was listening to this morning. Uh, and and they were talking about about a bunch of that in, in how the Chiefs have Mahomes doing these little sprint outs with a whole variety of different uh, options downfield, as opposed to when the Steelers have a little sprint out for Kenny Pickett, and then it's just like a high school offense every single time. <laughs> or uh, you you adjust what the angles need to be for those pass rushers, and, and it seems like that that Bosa and really the the Niners front four altogether, they they want to go vertical, 
And if you can just change their their point of I can't remember what the, the specific phrase was that they used, but basically their aim point. You you yep. move that around a little bit. Now all of a sudden the things they do best are no longer the things they do best. So mm-hmm. I just uh I find all of that fascinating. I wonder if it's repeatable on a week-to-week basis. Uh, also, in Nate's aforementioned story about McCole Hardman with the jet sweeps and everything, uh, he he talked about Andy Heck noticing some tendencies in the week leading up to the game, saying that Hardman could be the guy to help exploit those on those jet sweeps. Uh, so you can go read that up on The Athletic as well for a little more on how all that came together. That's all really good stuff. I, I like the way that you frame that. You know, you, you call it the aim point. I mean... It, I think saying things that sound like English is a good thing. That's a great um, point. That's You're so right, because it doesn't matter what it's actually called. I'm calling it an aim point. You can call it, call it a target if you'd like. I don't know. Pass, pass rushers are looking for the quarterback, but they also have a place where they expect him to drop to. Mm. And as good as they are, and they are great, they can only, you know, you can't look around for someone and maintain the same level of strength. You just physically can't. It's kind of like for as good as these guys are um, running down the field and looking for the ball over their shoulder, it still slows you down, even if it's not as much as it would slow down like a normal human. And they just did a great job with that. But also part of it, like the line just played well. And, And that's where like some things just, sometimes that's just how it is. Um, you know, because you can find if you go through the snaps, you'll find some snaps where where Brown is matched up alone on Bosa and acquits himself really well. Um, I think Bosa, Bosa is so good. I mean, if they matched up again, I, I'm sure, you know, I mean, he's just so good. But Brown is just a weird matchup for elite players when he's playing his best. And we talked about this a ton last year because he's kind of uniquely built. You're not necessarily going to use the same things you'd use normally because you've got these freakishly long arms and, you know, all that stuff, right? And so the, the, the line just played well. In addition to the help, in addition to the misdirections, the play calls were on point. Um, they just played better. And I think that's going to happen sometimes. And I think really knowing what we know, knowing that Joe Tooney has been playing nicked up, knowing that Trey Smith has been playing nicked up, and knowing that Orlando Brown has been playing nicked up, man, you know what? The bye week, I prefer the bye week a little later in the year. Mm-hmm. But this is a good time for it. Yeah. Get that line healthy because so much of their game plan depends on at least stalemating up front, which makes sense to plan the offense that way because they've got a good line. Um, I would just throw in there because you mentioned, you know, how repeatable is it? That's a really good question because we've seen this before where every now and then, about, I would say two or three times a season, Andy Reid just gets the other coach. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just, they've just, they just got him. Like that's, there's a reason why like Bill Belichick has given up, you know, 40 points on defense, not very many times, but like two or three of them are to Andy. Because every now and then, Andy just finds something and then he just spams it over. It's got, it's just infuriating, you know? It's like, you know, I know they're making games more and more, um, you know, harder to be like this. But like when the original Halo came out, Josh, you would have been, I God only knows how young. But I was, I was like, find the answer on your behalf. This, this would have been like 2003 ish, 2002 ish. 
Um, the the pistol in the original Halo was very overpowered. Mm-hmm. And I just spammed the bejesus out of that thing because I could three shots, one, two, three, right in a row every time. And I didn't even have to scope. I didn't even have to like, you know, actually like put in my scope because I, I just, I don't know. I just kind of figured out exactly where it was. And so then, you know, you're not wasting your time trying to go in it. And it was so much fun. And that's what Andy Reid was doing. And I'm sure there's a term for it. Um, but spamming, he was spamming it. He was spamming it. He was no scoping them. I don't mm-hmm. know. There's that's also a term. These are all uh, guys. Yeah. Look at this. I'm a regular gamer. My kids well, look, are just cringing in horror. No, nah, look, I, first of all, I mean, I was almost seven when that game came out. So that don't worry about it. Uh, but look, Juju Smith-Schuster got to the podium post game and basically just spoke the good word of the fact that video games create chemistry on the football field. I mean, I don't sure I have no I have no qualms with with any of that. I think this is a uh, I think this is a watershed moment. I think we're going to get. We're getting more uh, football player gamers. I I am just worried about Juju signing a lifetime contract with the Cardinals this offseason. That's all. (laughs) He just wants to play with Kyler. That's all. Um, But they they really sometimes Andy just gets people. So I I don't know what it's going to look like. And like if we talk about in a vacuum. But the interesting thing is when you really take it out of the vacuum. I mean, this is the third time this year in in seven games. The Chiefs have scored 40 points. (laughs) And they really could have scored more this game. They could have scored more against Tampa. They could have scored more against the Cardinals. Um, What you really have, if you look at the Chiefs season, you've got three dominant offensive performances, one really good offensive performance against the Raiders. Actually, I'd call that a dominant offensive performance too, um, considering kind of some of the other things that went on in that game. And then you've got an, an offensive performance against the Chargers. We'll call it uneven. And then you've got a putrid one <laughs> against the Colts. Although, was that really that putrid when your special teams like robs you of like two full possessions? Yeah, that's the thing. Is I don't. I think that game is just. I think that game is no less and inf- only more infuriating with time. But a little. It's not a mystery. You know, you can just see what went wrong. Yeah, you, you can. There was so much there. So many. Like uh, there, there were drop touchdowns. They were like, cause it's not like it was just, there were multiple missed field goals. Like I, I remember doing the math earlier this year and what did we come up with? Like 18 points reasonably. It was, it was, yeah, I think, I think I might've argued for it being slightly over 20 for some reason. I can't remember. Yeah. What. No, I think 18 was right because then there was like a two point conversion that wasn't. And I don't, yeah, know, it was something like that. It was, it was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it was, it was rough. And so you have that game, which is weird. And then you've got the Bills game where they kind of, they kick themselves in, 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 in on their own a little bit. Um, I was going to say they kick themselves, kick themselves in, their foot. in their foot. Yep. Yeah, I, that, I could hear not... it. I could hear it. And I was like, he just decided not to say that because it doesn't make any sense. I was like, they kick themselves. Wait, what? That's not, that's not a thing. But, and then the Bills, be, and if any Bills fans are listening to this, the Bills have a really good defense. They got a great pass rush. They did a great job. Both things can be true because the Chiefs also, you know, they, Travis Kelsey really could have caught that touchdown on that first drive. They, they missed a field goal. You, you just go right. Just those two things. That's seven points. That's at least worth noting that like, oh man, they only scored 20. Well, they could have had 27 if you just changed two things. I get the butterfly effect and all that. So really what you have is a couple games where they shot themselves in the foot, either on special teams or just on offense in general, which the special teams didn't have a great day against Buffalo either. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So overall, though, right now, the Chiefs offense is number one in expected points added per play in the NFL. And it's not even that close, honestly. And so I, I just, it's a fascinating thing. The Chiefs offensive ceiling appears to be just as high as it ever was. So let's unpack that in particular, because I, I don't know how much else you want to kind of break down from the Juju MVS um, day that they had. And again, there's a lot you can read up in the newsletter right now. Um, I listened to it once this morning and then read it again later because I was uh, once I realized Nate wasn't going to be here. It was like, OK, I got to be focused and I got to make sure Seth stays focused. So I got to ask him about something that he did. Um, that was an unnecessary <laughs> shot. Totally unnecessary. Absolutely unwarranted. Uh, and I'm I, sorry. I, I was searching my own name on Twitter. What did you say? <laughs> Uh, look, I mean, there is some uh, there is some future Chiefs Hall of Famers that do that. There's no problem with that. <laughs> um, so I, I do want to add something with MVS and Juju Smith-Schuster. Okay, and like, I want I want I, uh, can you weave that with what you just said about um, yeah. the ceiling? Because I, I know there's a whole thing there. So go read the story for more. There's visual stuff. There's everything in written form. MNChiefsFan.substack.com. Cook for me a little bit on Juju and MVS. And and um, by the way, I agree to the point of literally having already said this. I think I said it on post game last night. I think this is the vision for what this offense was going to be without Tyree kill. I think this, I, this is the proof of concept. This is what they were looking for. I think you're absolutely right. I and, think you're absolutely right. <laughs> and so the reason I, I, I would say that, um, well, partly cause I kind of said it earlier. Yeah, so I said it even earlier. So it's like, you know, we're just both I woke very up right. this morning and I was like the vision. Yeah, um, but I said it last night on the post-game show like, oh, right after the game, like on radio, I think. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you said you that might have tweeted it. You could have tweeted it. You could have tweeted it, you know? I wasn't tweeting much last night. I, I my, my broadcast was like 45 seconds behind everyone else's. Oh, no. And I just like, it, it's no fun when it's good or bad. No. It's like a big third down here and you see someone like, dang it, Nick Bolton. You're like, ah. Oh. <laughs> Man, what bad thing's gonna happen? Or someone tweets Chris Jones, and you're like, yeah, and you're like, oh, that means. yeah, gee, I, I wonder. Either um, he did something incredible, or he just got punched by a referee and flagged for that. Yeah, which I wouldn't rule it out at this point. No, totally. Um, Talk about the receivers. So, so with with these guys, when you've got like this, like you you called it a proof of concept. When the offense is, when the when things are blocked up. And even if they're not blocked up particularly well, the skill sets of MVS and Juju Smith-Schuster and to a lesser extent, McCool Hardman, because he shouldn't be ignored in that. And right now, to an even lesser extent, uh, Sky Moore, which is not returning punts. I just wish they would just let him play on the offense and stop sabotaging Chiefs fans' opinion of the guy based on something he's never done. Um, But anyway, be that as it may. With those guys combined with Travis Kelsey... And then, you know, an offensive line, you you see the entire thing is supposed to work together to punish anything that a defense throws at them. Um, an easy example would be, um, you know, they're playing cover three. Okay, we're going to send uh, we're going to send MVS deep down the field beyond, you know, we're playing like a cover three zone. Look, we're going to send him basically down the down the seam and then in kind of the hole between the numbers short of the cover three corner or, or safety over the top, right? That first big play, which by the way, Greg Olson, great color commentator. 
Yeah. Um, does a terrific job explaining some of that stuff. Because otherwise you might have some someone being like, well, you know, Mahomes short-armed that throw. No, he didn't. He put it exactly that, where it was supposed to go. In real time, that was exactly my first thought. And then once we could see where the defenders were at, and then especially looking at it again today from you, I went, oh yeah, he just put it in a pocket. It's incredible. Yep, Great. and then and then you see MVS adjust to it, sit, settles down with it. Uh, and that's not easy to do, adjusting to a deep ball, because he had to adjust Mahomes under through. He actually underthrew the deep ball later in the game, because that he'd still be running, like had that not been underthrown. But you know, Mahomes has overthrown MVS a few times. Uh, he and, said that verbatim post game. Did he really? He's like verbatim. not going to do that again. He, he and, said he had, he had said that he, he. I think he said he overthrew him a couple times in Indy, and so he had to keep going back to him or something. Yeah, literally exactly that. And MVS did a great job adjusting to that. I mean, and that's not easy to do. So, but so let's say, so in that they had two safeties over the top. Okay. They're playing cover two. So you run mills where you've got, um, you've got two receivers. One kind of runs an intermediate to deep in the other guy runs a nine route or a post. And you hope that the safety comes down and bites on the intermediate route over the middle of the field. Right. Um, that's an answer to cover two that takes advantage of MVS's skills. The cover three one we already mentioned, um, with Juju Smith-Schuster, he's really smart in zones. And so they've been having him line up next to Travis Kelsey with multiple routes where they break off in different directions at simultaneous moments. They did it on third and two, um, where Juju finds the soft spot. He knows that the, that some of the coverage is going to follow Kelsey. Um, they, on his touchdown, the coverage follows Kelsey. Juju sits down in the zone, right? He's a smart receiver. So any type of zone you throw out, you've got multiple guys that can kind of bust that up underneath because Juju Smith-Schuster and Travis Kelsey are both really good at knowing where to sit down. And then another element that they're kind of unfolding now that involves Juju Smith-Schuster in particular are back shoulder throws because that has become, that was kind of their answer when San Francisco would shift to, okay, fine, you're dicing up our zone coverage. We're going to go to aggressive press man, which is something the Bills did, right? And it had everyone freaked out. And what the Chiefs did is something they did with Smith-Schuster only once or twice uh, in against the Bills. They did it a couple more times with Smith-Schuster and once with MVS is, okay, fine, we're going to, you're going to do press man coverage with no help. We're going to just back shoulder throw to Juju Smith-Schuster, who's big, strong, physical, and we're just going to move the chains like that. And so that's the idea is with those myriad of skill sets between those guys. Oh, and you know, you're doing other stuff. Okay, fine. We're going to run a jet sweep here. We're going to send McCall Hardman on a deep crosser. The idea is you have an answer to anything the defense is offering up. And when it works, it works like crazy. And it, it's basically unstoppable unless like Mahomes is having an off day, right? Or the offensive line is getting destroyed. Have you delivered your um, previously discussed sort of thesis statement on sure. how this connects to Tyree Kill? Yeah, I haven't yet, but the, and so this is where what you can see is with that that uh, w- with all of those different skill sets and everything working well, the ceiling of the offense is the same as it's ever been, which is scoring a touchdown every time it touches the ball. That that is still we we we've seen it now, right? Right. We saw so here's it against the, thing. the Bucks. It, it sounds crazy. And I knew you were going to say that. And I watched the game yesterday and you said it just now. And I once again went, are we 100% sure about that? Because man, Tyree Kill seems like he'd raise your ceiling. And then I remember that every time the Chiefs touched the ball yesterday, they either scored a touchdown or Sky Moore ruined it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Dang it, Sky Moore. Um, who he's, he looks good on the old 22. I, we're going to talk about Sky Moore, I promise. I yeah, have his name okay. right now. We'll talk about him next. And so, 
the, so that the thing is when those guys, because MVS is a competent deep threat, Juju Smith-Schuster is a competent receiver, Travis Kelsey is who he is, Cole Hardman's got a role in the offense, Isaiah Pacheco, um, that adds something, like uh, the hold that got called back, um, where, where Tooney got called for, because apparently you can't put a guy in a headlock and tackle him, I thought this was America, but whatever. So um, weird to see Joe Tooney malfunction like that, they got to yeah, That was it's weird, a, they, it's like, Joe, what, what happened pre-snap there, buddy, someone like... Did someone put like a Canadian quarter in you instead of a normal quarter? And <laughs> it just put a Chuck E. Cheese token in his face mask. Um, but something <laughs> worth watching in that play is that if that were Clyde Edwards Alaire or even Jarek McKinnon or Daryl Williams last year, he wouldn't have made it to the edge. Because Jarek McKinnon has better acceleration, right? Than, than Clyde, but he doesn't have great top end speed at this point in his career. He's smooth, he accelerates well, but he's not as fast as Pacheco, right? Pacheco accelerates and is fast, so he was able to turn the corner on that run and something that has previously been like a two yard run for them, if that was like an eight yard run, got called back, but it's just worth noting, okay? With all those things, the offensive ceiling is as high as ever because Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Andy Reid are the center of that universe. And when you add incompetent guys, that have those skill sets, you can do it. I think what we might see this year, and I think we've seen it in a couple games, is the offensive floor is what's lower. The ceiling was always going to be there with Andy Reid. It's the floor that's lower. And I think that's what you saw, like, say, against the Colts and the Bills, when a bunch of crap was going wrong, it sure is nice to have an easy button to push for, oh, hey, 20 free yards. And Tyreek Hill gives you a few of those every game. That's just who he is. And that's where the floor becomes higher because you're not going to really have a game where, okay, Reed's scheme isn't really winning and Mahomes is a little off and Kelsey's not really himself and Tyreek Hill plays poor. It's just too many elite things malfunctioning at the same time. Yeah. And that's where they had a bit of redundancy cooked into where their, 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 their floor was always pretty high. Um, you know, the Super Bowl debacle notwithstanding, that was, I mean, it, you need to have an, an offensive line, yeah. right? You got to have, so, yes, human blockers. Yes, human yeah. blockers. Um, and so that that's where I think you, what you see is, so now the idea is, okay, they've seen how high the ceiling can be. How do we raise the floor and the consistency without the easy button? And I feel like that's part of what this first half of the season has been, is looking for, okay, what are the easy buttons? And you know what they've discovered the last two weeks? One of those is back shoulder throws to Juju Smith-Schuster. And now they just need to keep finding those. Like, I'm okay, so what are some things we can go to repeatedly? Yeah. yeah, sorry, you just keep talking. I just going to talk. I'm going to do a second show underneath your talking about how absolutely jacked I was to see three back shoulder throws. It was two to MVS, one to Juju, I think, were the ones that at least stuck out. Two to Juju, one to MVS. Really? I could have sworn yeah. that MVS had two. Okay, MVS, right. you know, he might have had two as well. It might have I know been two and two. two. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'll go, I'll pull up my notes. And it also is important to note, does not matter. Uh, but that you just, <laughs> you you said the buzzword again and I got excited. I just, so I interrupted for absolutely no reason. No, I I want to hear what you thought when you saw those because they they, they hit him, uh, Juju, on at least on, on a couple against Buffalo. And I remember, I think I even tweeted out at the time, like, give Juju Smith-Schuster more targets. If teams are going to play aggressive press man coverage, he will, generally speaking, win on those back shoulder throws. And their timing has gotten really good already. 
on that. Mm -hmm. And if you're playing aggressive press man, you really can't defend it that well because then what happens if you're going where you need to go to defend a back shoulder throw? Well, then he's going to throw up his left hand and sprint down the sideway and say, hey, hit me in the shot between, hit me right in the hole between that safety over the top and where this idiot is now playing underneath me. Right. And Mahomes can hit that throw all day. Yep. I don't have anything better than that to say. It's just that it's, it to see it unfold as, as what appeared to be a purposeful part of the offense. And also Mahomes talked after the game about beating man-to-man coverage more. We talked some more about that last week. Nate wrote about it. We've been through that. Um, the, the two things that he has said after these, I think two of the last three games, I don't think he said it after Buffalo, but I think it was after Vegas and, and, and last night, it, but it was basically beating man coverage. The offensive line gave me time and receivers were beating dudes with that time. And that's a pretty good start. And those back shoulder throws for all the reasons you laid out there. And there's the visual aid in the story in the newsletter. I just don't, I just don't know how you stop it. I, I, I don't, right. I don't think there's a way to defend it reasonably without getting penalized or just giving them up. It's one of those things where it just, if it, if it arrives, bless you, I guess we'll move on to the next down. Um, because that, the one, maybe, maybe the one up to MVS was just such a dot that it made me, it burned a hole in my memory. But the, the two that came in, like it was, it was separated by a lot. It was back-to-back drives around halftime mm-hmm. when you have the back shoulder to Juju and he's flying out of bounds there before the missed field goal. And then the one to MVS mid uh, in the pre Clyde touchdown post Pacheco kick return. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just excited for that to be a thing. This offense can do. It's not a thing they have to do every rep. It's just always, it's always a club in the golf bag or whatever. And I'm just, again, I mean, I, I feel like it's paying off the promise of what, what we were thinking and told and looking for back in the Holy bleep. What are they going to look like without Tyreek Hill days? Absolutely. Oh, and I mean, you can say a lot of the same things about the slight uptick you're seeing in quick physical slants. Yeah. Because Juju grabbed um, a couple of those as well. Maybe it was just the one um, where Mahomes is like, basically, I need you to get to this spot and I'm going to throw this ball 150 miles an hour and Mm -hmm. I want you to catch it. And he did. Um, And so it just, it's a cool thing to watch. And it makes them very, very difficult to defend. The The, the problem that they're going to have without Hill is always going to be the, okay, we're up against a really, really good, really, really talented defense. What's our easy button? And I think that's what they're looking for right now. I think that's one reason why, well, I mean, they, you know, there's a lot made about Pacheco getting like starter reps, but I mean, the split wasn't like. He didn't get but, starter reps. He got starter spot. Yeah, <laughs> he, got, it, he got a number under his GS column on pro football reference. That he was did. He did. And Clyde still saw most of, it was still just a split. Yeah. So they're going to keep needing to find those easy button answers that aren't named Travis Kelsey, because that's the obvious first and foremost one. And so now what you're seeing is, okay, the easy button on a couple of these was, hey, man, MVS is really, really fast and can adjust to the ball down the field. Maybe that's an easy button. An easy button is, you know, these slants, these these quick, you know, these back shoulder throws. And those are the things, if they can find enough of those, then again, in the aggregate, you can hopefully produce, by and large, what you lost. Uh, here's my quick Sky Moore thing. I'm not sure if you would have heard this last night. I have never, ever heard Andy Reid be more clear about an interception being on a receiver and not the quarterback than he was when he was asked about that pick. 
he the first words out of his mouth were, well, that's a learning experience for Sky. He uh, proceeded to say the route he was supposed to run, and it, he wasn't like mad about it. It was just it was that his whole answer about the interception was all about Sky Moore. Um, I thought of you because I am not going wow. to use that into less Sky Moore propaganda. Um, and I was also curious that you didn't seem to. That's not necessarily where where the the tape led you on that pick. So I'm curious about that. Um, I, I'll go. Uh, I'll, I'll maybe tomorrow. I, I should be able to, to maybe just send you that little audio clip if I can't find the quote elsewhere. Um, in fact, actually, I might be able to get the quote now that I'm thinking about it from the transcript. Uh, but it was pretty straightforward, and the uh, the punt return experiment obviously. I just think needs to stop at least for a little while. He didn't even do it in college. It's a weird thing to force him to learn how to do on the fly right now. Unless he's Devin Hester. I just don't think it seems all that worth it, but I digress. Um, I still would love to see him on the field. I do think it's very interesting that he got on the field in the opening in the first 15, you know, he was supposed to be out there as a part of the game plan. And it, it did not seem that, that uh, one Andrew Reed was terribly pleased with how he uh, handled that. It's interesting. So I'm looking at the play right now on all 22 and you've got there, they're sitting there. You've got the safety hanging out over the top and Mahomes fires it into a specific spot. So the only thing I can think is that more needs to bend that route in a lot sooner to shield. And by a lot, I mean a couple yards mm-hmm. and, and get cut and cut inside faster to shield the oh I see what he's talking about here here I got the quote now also so see if this see if this brings it together for you he was asked about what he saw from Mahomes after starting with the pick he said yeah that again that's a great learning experience for Sky on that so Sky's got a wraparound route right there yeah they try to put everybody inside outside so you kind of work into that spot and know how to do it and he got a little too high and Pat and Pat trusted him that was the positive part so next time around we'll uh, knock that thing out and they talked through it and that was a good thing so good learning experience yeah, that was uh, so okay. It's gonna sound like I'm making this up, but when I said okay, I see what I was what the the literal thing I'm I'm talking about is he's got a he's got a corner over the top of him coming out of the slot. Then they they end up playing zone pretty clearly, and so what he needs to do when he sees Fred Warner come in from the other side, he needs to literally wrap around him, kind of cut basically as soon as you get past him, right? I mean, you, that's what you think when you think wrap around a guy, mm-hmm. right? It's not travel another six yards and then start to turn. Ah, So if he he starts to wrap at, uh, oh, let's say, and and obviously I don't know how good this is for people that are listening, but so, I mean, what happens is the defender is- That's been true about the show a lot longer than just today. So Yeah, the the defender's at like the 33-yard line, 32-yard line, and Moore doesn't start to bend his route until the 37-yard line. And so what he could have done was he could have broken that route a lot sooner. And then, you know, Mahomes puts it to him. He gets the ball there in time to where, yeah, he takes a hit, but he collects it. Um, and so I that makes a lot of sense. So never mind. Continue with your anti-Sky more propaganda. Well, no. So I think I still think with that <coughs> being said that there is a better chance that Sky Moore takes more snaps against the Titans than he does fewer. Uh, the bye week, a little extra time, whatever it may be. I, I think that is still very much an ongoing proposition. At no point have I ever expected Sky Moore to be, uh, I know this is a weird metric for real football, but a fantasy football relevant player early in the year. Um, that was never, I like anyone's expectations, knowing how Andy Reid, rookie wide receivers, the, the learning curve they have. But 
that was just a, an interesting little example of it. So I am not absolutely, I'm not driving Skymore propaganda. Uh, I just was surprised to hear Andy Reid be kind of as blunt with it as he was. And not that it's a bad thing. I would rather know the truth there. It, it makes our conversation a little stronger, but something to keep an eye on next week uh, if he's actually out there. We, right. we haven't talked about the defense at all, and I wanted to give it at least a beat um, from something you had earlier. Did you want to put a bow on the Sky Moore thing? Or, or are you, no, uh, are I'd you going love to, to talk about the defense. Okay, because you mentioned earlier about the bye week. And this is what reminded me of another thing that Andy Reid said uh, early on in his presser going through on the injuries. He said, basically, Mike Dana, Trent McDuffie, and Rashad Fenton should all be back when the Chiefs get back. So I don't know if he would, you know, he, at one point he made it sound like they'd be able to play next week if they had a game. If they didn't, whatever, more space, more time off for those three. And then the Chiefs get two preseason starting corners back, essentially, McDuffie and Fenton. Um, Fenton might not keep that job. We'll see where McDuffie starts in terms of his role. Mike Dane also, starter-level snaps, especially early in the year. So you you look at all of that. This defense still has some major pieces to get back. Chris Jones talked about that post game, and I thought it was interesting to hear a player be like, yeah, we're missing a lot of like really important dudes still. But it's an interesting game for the defense because the final total of Jimmy Garoppolo's sacks is at five. I didn't feel like it was a all-around dominant, like, front four type of game. But they got to him. He also holds the ball longer than Josh Allen and does less with it than Josh Allen. So I think there's probably <laughs> um, probably a little chicken and a little egg there. But what did you see from the defense? They got pretty well run on early on. We have This is the first time right now that I'm saying the name Christian McCaffrey, San Francisco 49er on the show. Because uh, that happened a little while after the show published on uh, on Thursday or Friday. So uh, that happened and he got some touches and it was fine. Jeff Wilson was the more effective and more frequently. Actually, just the more effective runner. He got one fewer carry than McCaffrey did. But uh, the Chiefs traded from second, third, fourth and fifth for Jeff Wilson. Am I right? Uh, so what did <laughs> yeah. you uh, what did you see from the defense even as they continue to get healthier at a few key spots? Um, they definitely were getting whipped early on up front by the Niners. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, he is one of the exceptions to the don't run the ball that much rule because he's just so good at it. I mean, he's so good at getting his line in positions to win and they've got a good, a good line. Having Trent Williams back is such a big deal for their run game. He's just a dominant, dominant player. Um, I do think, you know, the run defense thing, we know under Spags, they just don't care that much if they get run on. We know that. Um, I will say that, you know, Nick Bolton had his ups and downs in the game. Um, but, uh, you know, when when he gets sent on run blitzes, he's really effective with it. And man, when he hits people, they just stop moving. So that's fun. I would say one thing that surprised me was that Willie Gay Jr., they really weren't kidding when they were like, oh, we'll see. <laughs> And I just, I can't get past uh, some of the decisions in terms of stuff with like, uh, with linebackers, especially, I mean, Spags just has a love affair for guys that don't have good speed, but he feels like, I don't know, he, they go where he expects them to go. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, Darius Harris, the new Ben Neiman, or I don't, I don't know. Um, and they, they just, they, they, and, and I appreciate what Darius Harris did um, coming in as a backup. He didn't play terribly. He just, you know, there's some gaps in his game that don't exist in Gay's game. But I, I would just say overall, you see how this defense is built in a way to where they want to be able to be aggressive and not have to worry about the run so much. And they rely on the offense being excellent. 
Um, and, and they really do play complementary football with regards to that. They are built more to get after the passer and more to blitz and threaten blitz and that kind of stuff. And they did have some success, you know, pressuring, hitting, sacking Jimmy Garoppolo. Some of that was Spags was just getting them. And some of that was both Carlos Dunlap and Frank Clark probably played about as well as I've seen them play as Chiefs this year. And then the other part, hey, Chris Jones is just a superhuman. He's ridiculous. He, he did a lot of his damage from the edge. He, he's been moving around for years, so it's not like this is not a permanent move back to the end spot or, or whatever. But um, any of those guys you just mentioned you, that you want to spend some time highlighting on is, is Frank Clark back, Seth? Really? Really? Hey, you know what? Really put your heart into this one. Really sell me on it. This is the real Frank Clark. He's back for real. Go ahead. Convince me. Come on. Come on. I'm Boy, dying. That, I'm dying. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, last, it, and it is great because it's true. So last year, Frank Clark had a probably a three or four game stretch where he played at a, a fairly well above average level, like not great, but it was good. And that was this. That was a time when Ingram had just come along. Um, he'd been with the team for a game or two. And the defense played by far its best football during that time because they had three guys. And I'm just I'm not going to let go of this guys like analysis of pass rushers. Um, I think, I, I don't think Clark played quite as well as his stat line would indicate yesterday. You know, those sacks, um, you know, the first one, Garoppolo stepped up too far and Jones was pushing through and, and Clark was looping around on, on kind of a, de a delayed stunt. And so Jones did the work for that sack and Saunders and Clark cleaned it up, which good on them. They, they, they did their job. Yeah, you, you get a you get a half sack on your stat line for doing that. Yeah, That's absolutely. Good stuff. Someone's got to clean it up. Yep. And then the 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 other one, the safety. Hey, great hustle play. It showed the way he closed. He's definitely faster this year. Um, definitely faster, definitely quicker. But at the same time, Trent Williams can't you know block 11, 12 yards behind the line of scrimmage. No one can. And that was actually a really good example of something that we used to see occasionally from Mahomes when he'd bail out right. It just allows the the defensive end to just run around him, and so it was a it was a good hustle play. He got there fast, and he had a he had a decent cornering on it. Like it wasn't a, a bad pass rush that was turned somehow good, but it wasn't like a like a high quality defeat of Trent Williams. So I'm not trying to run the guy down. He, I think he played his best game of the year, um, and he did have a few other snaps where he got some pressure. And that was nice to see. Now, that's something we should be seeing every game from a guy who's getting 13 million this year, whatever it is. So, hey, if it is, if that's the new normal for Frank Clark, that would be absolutely huge for the defense moving forward because that meet would mean that they have two guys. And then a conversation to be had about whether Dunlap and Karloftis combined can be like half a guy each. That would be huge. I've just, you know, I've been hurt before. Uh, I right now, actually, I found a crazy prop bet, you know, gambling's legal in Kansas now and on sports that is. And so I, uh, I got a, a crazy bet and it actually just says Frank Clark is the guy we saw at the la at the fourth quarter against the Niners. Um, the odds are actually even, so I could put, you know, a hundred bucks on this, Seth. Should I, should I go? I, in fact, I, you know, I just typed in a hundred dollars. Should I click that button and bet on Frank Clark being the guy that he was in the fourth quarter against the Niners? I would not. Okay. Neither would I. But boy, would that be awesome. It'd be great. It'd be your fantastic. reward. Your reward will be happiness with how much better it makes the whole pass rush look when it's not just Chris Jones. 
I will invest my happiness in that, not my dollars. That will be, uh, that'll be my strategy there. So, uh, that'll do it. No, no Nate today. Still got a full, uh, full hour from Seth and I, you can of course read Seth's piece up on the chief in the North newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com or a uh, bit.ly slash Seth really hates money for the crazy deal he's got running there. Plus, you've got Nate's story up in The Athletic, an excellent look at how McCole Hardman's big day came together. You can follow us on Twitter at by Nate Taylor is Nate. Uh, it's more like by Nate Taylor. Am I right? Anyway, uh, Seth <laughs> is at Real MN Chiefs fan. I'm at JB Briscoe. Uh, I think we're most likely going to take this Friday or this, this Thursday, Friday show off and uh, be back again on Monday to take kind of a little near halfway point kind of look. And uh, then, of course, be back on the grind for the rest of the year. So if there's no show in your uh, in your feed on Thursday night or, or Friday morning, don't take it out on us. You know, we'll, it's the it's the bye week. We'll see. We'll see if we get another ep out or not. But certainly uh, expect to have a couple leading up to a primetime rematch with the Titans. Chiefs have never had any games against them go in weird, horrible ways. So I think that should be a snooze fest. And uh, we'll be around to preview that. Seth, with Nate not being here, I think you are the vice president of outros and therefore the power is in your hands. That sounds wonderful to me. I would just want to let you all know that we're very sorry that we won't be here later this week. However, there may or may not be uh, something that makes you feel a little bit better. Maybe I'm writing a bi-week article for The Athletic. It's hard to say. Who knows what things may happen. But if there's one thing that I do know beyond any shadow of a doubt with absolute certainty is that I'm still not 100% sure what the floor and ceiling of the offense is. And so I'm excited to see what it looks like against the Titans, a game that I am more terrified of than literally any other game on the schedule. <laughs>